Bearcast presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The Bearcast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And welcome in on this Tuesday, April the 25th, to the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports, the YouTube uh, part of things as well. However you're listening to us, whether through the website Sikkim365.com or through our page on YouTube, we do appreciate you. Welcome on in. It's the post-green and gold game edition of the podcast as Baylor has wrapped spring football with their green and gold game this past Saturday. So the 15 practices are over and done with. We've got a little bit better idea of this football team, and we'll unpack what we saw and what we heard and what we expect now uh, with these 15 practices and now a bit of a hibernation until next football season uh, in front of us. Uh, That hibernation will be interrupted at times by recruiting and just various roster news and notes and things like that. But for all intents and purposes, spring ball's done, and now it's just out of sight uh, workouts and working out on their own. And like I said, a lot of recruiting coaches out already on the road uh, to try and and do what they can um, uh, in, you know, these next few uh, days, weeks, and throughout the rest of this offseason to uh, improve this roster. So uh, they, in fact, did that this past week with another new commit from the transfer portal as they get deeper into the double digits as far as additions there. So we'll talk about that uh, and much more, including another Baylor basketball player deciding to enter the NBA draft. So that is like three-quarters of last year's team that is either uh, – gone into the portal or put their name into the draft hat. So we'll be talking about all that. I'm Craig Smoke with you for the next hour along with Grayson Grunhafer. And Grayson, uh, how are we doing this week, man? I mean, I'm just happy we finally got to watch some football um, because watching it in practice and talking about it is not the same as getting to watch it in a game. And so it was nice. I would say that, you know, this week always comes with a lot of overreactions. And I would also say this week also always comes with a lot of um, negatives for the most part, because I even think in 2021, people were like, what's going on? They're going to be horrible next year. This is what's, what's happening, you know, to this roster. And then they turned around, won the big 12. So I just caution people because the spring game is one of those things that 
Everyone's going to have a hot take. Everyone's going to have an opinion after it. But at the end of the day, there's still, what, five months until the season starts? Four months? Like, there's a lot of time to grow, get better, get healthier, bring in more roster additions. And so I think we're going to see a very different team in the fall if you did come away super unimpressed or super whatever, sad about the spring game. Yeah, I didn't come away uh, super impressed. I didn't come away super sad. I just took it as a spring game and kind of let it help shape the opinion that I sort of already had just based on their roster and the changes this offseason and what the rest of the Big 12 looks like as well. I mean, that does have a bit of a say in it. Baylor can do whatever they want, but if others are out there making better moves or picking up better players, you know, touche. So, you know, they don't have full control, but what they did have control over was these 15 practices, and it stands to reason that we got a little bit better idea about them, but certainly not the whole picture uh, just because we got to watch them for a couple of hours on Saturday. But you wouldn't think that based on what some of the reaction is, it was as though people were embedded – for all 15 and uh, came away with this wholly formed opinion. But you're right, it was a, it was a lot of knee-jerk, but that's that's kind of as traditional as the spring game itself is, is people, uh, you know, voicing their opinions, good, bad, or otherwise, on, on what they saw. So we're going to do some of that as well, and maybe it lines up with what you think, or maybe it doesn't, but either way, it's... It's just a spring game in the end, I mean, to to your point. Uh, And there is a long way to go until kickoff next season. So uh, rather than treating this like it's some big game to unpack and do all that, let's just do what we've kind of done. We've focused in on position groups, and we've talked about just various individual news and notes throughout the last few weeks. Uh, I just figure we'll go position group by position group and kind of spend a couple of minutes on each one. Quarterback we might spend a little bit longer on, so we'll start off with that. Uh, but we'll just hop around and try to cover as many bases as we can. And then uh, once we're done with that, uh, we will you know, dabble with a few other news and notes around Baylor Athletics as well as the, we start to now get into May uh, here in the next week. And that will bring about the you know end of the spring semester uh, here pretty soon and the end of spring sports. So I want to touch on some of those. But uh, you're here probably mostly for the green and gold game reactions. And so... Uh, you saw a offense versus defense format uh, on Saturday, which was interesting. Uh, Aranda pointed out that he liked the competition that that brought uh, on both sides of the football. I think I liked that as well. I think it made sense to do offense versus defense to kind of, you know, keep it uh, keep guys a little bit on edge and prideful of their their units rather than just like you're on these miscellaneous green and gold teams that we assigned yeah. you to. So I did like that. Made things a lot clearer in the in the bigger picture, uh, but what you did see was the offense winning the green and gold game, thirty eight to twenty seven. Um, this was not your traditional scoring system. I'm not going to try to break it down, but you got points for doing good things, basically. Yeah. Um, so offensively, that's big plays, that's scoring. Defensively, that's big plays, that's scoring. Uh, breakups, you know, sacks, things like that. Uh, so it was a it was a unique scoring system. Uh, offense comes out on top, as I mentioned, uh, and it was a first time thing. We'll see if that's something they continue on in the future. Uh, but what was, uh, I guess, probably on the radar of most people was the quarterback battle. Uh, the two primary guys that we've been talking about all spring and Blake Shapin and Sawyer Robertson combined, along with R.J. Martinez, uh, over three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Bears also run for over 200, um, and then there's you know, debatable sacks and how many totals there were and things like that, but when all was said and done, Sawyer Robertson, 9 of 16, 170 yards and two scores. 
Um, he had uh, passes to Jonathan Davidson and also Monterey Baldwin, uh, who did most of the work on his nearly 60-yard score, as he remains probably the, the most star-power-laden player on this team, I think, heading into the next season. Uh, Blake Shape at 11-20, 100 yards and a touchdown, had the 29-yard touchdown to Drake Dabney. So stats, I just mentioned those for the sake of it, but what were your thoughts on what you saw from the quarterbacks and, and of interest, uh, Dave Arand in the postgame? leaving it entirely open to uh, them potentially making a decision sooner rather than later. He didn't guarantee that, but it sure sounded like they yeah. kind of had already made up their mind based on what we saw on Saturday. Uh, so that just led me to believe that it just solidified their opinion, whatever they saw. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, a potential naming here pretty soon, and also just what you saw from uh, both guys, and if you want to sprinkle in R.J. Martinez there as well, uh, you know, it's up to you. Yeah, I guess let's just start with, talking about how they did on on the day before I get into the decision that I do believe is coming. Okay. I mean, that just based on how Dave Aranda said it, so matter of fact, yeah. I, mean, I just I would be shocked if they don't make a decision. Um I guess this week is what he made it sound like. So um so let's start with Blake Shapin. I feel like Blake still shows a lot of the things that he did wrong last year. He showed it in the spring game, the footwork, the inconsistencies at time by relying on his arm talent instead of his technique. And that is something that has betrayed him in the past. It betrayed him at times last year. Um, in a game like this where there are no sacks, you know, there's not opportunities for, you know, a fumble or things like that, which obviously plagued him last year as well. Uh, he did throw the ball in harm's way a few times, which, again, you don't like to see. Um, but I also feel like you saw some of the things that he does do really well, which, you know, when he's rolling out of the pocket, he does make very accurate throws on the run. He's pre- he's fairly creative. I think he could be more creative, but uh, there is some creativity to his game as well. And I did think at times he showed the ability to make some plays uh, downfield. It just wasn't consistent in this game. Now, I do want to say he was playing against the ones all day long. And Sora Robertson was playing against the twos for the most part all day long as well. Um, So just wanted to throw that in there. Blake also did have a throw to Drake Dabney uh, later in the game that was broken up by Corey Gordon, which again could have been a touchdown had um, he come down with it. So a few positives, a few negatives from what I saw from Shapin. um, But at the end of the day, it was just an okay performance, I think, from Blake in general. Sora Robertson. Uh, The big play to Monterey Baldwin was a screen pass that went for 57 yards and a touchdown. Um, Not, you know, Blake Shapin could have made that throw. We can argue it. Blake can make that throw. It just was a play that things opened up. But I did feel like in general, Sawyer showed a lot of the things that I think made him very appealing coming from Mississippi State. He's big. He's got a strong frame. He delivers the ball pretty accurately. And I also think when he runs, you can just tell his frame. He's kind of excited to run I think at times like he has the power the ability to move the pile forward Um, and he showed it just a couple times running Um, but I do think he's a pretty underrated athlete not a great runner not a Max Duggan but a decent enough runner to at least move the sticks um, for you occasionally we didn't see him let it rip downfield which is a question with him. So I am curious about that. But we did see some intermediate throws that I felt like were really good. He's still adjusting to the offense, though, clearly, because they weren't running a whole lot of the the same. They weren't running a lot of the things that I think he struggled with throughout camp. I think they did uh, try to tone some of those things back for him in this game. But in general, I came away actually fairly impressed by him 
I feel like it was, again, it wasn't like he destroyed Blake Shapin. He absolutely did not. But I felt like he showed some flashes and showed some good things. RJ Martinez, creative. I think he is what he is. You know, he showed a lot at Northern Arizona. He's productive. I think he's a great third-string quarterback, a guy who could end up being on scholarship. I think he's shown, you know, some of the attributes that could lead you to that. Now, as far as the decision goes, Craig, um, I think that that decision is going to be made this week just based on what Dave Aranda said and just kind of the vibes all spring. I think it's been pretty evident who the starting quarterback is for Baylor. And it's been that way all year. And I know people are going to bring up, oh, what about, you know, Gary Bohannon and Jacob Zeno when they were rotating a lot and Gary Bohannon and Blake Shapin last year. But the difference was those guys were truly splitting first team reps, like every practice splitting those first team reps. This year, it has not been that. Blake Shapin's been running first team pretty much the whole spring. This is, I mean, it's nothing new what happened in the spring game. He was the quarterback with the first team for the most part. Sawyer was running with the twos, and that's just how it was. And so if they are going to make a decision this week, I think it's going to be Blake Shapin, and I think that's the right decision, honestly, at this point. Now, do I think it's the right decision to make a decision at this point? No. Because I think Sawyer's going to get a lot better throughout the the summer heading into the fall. But I think if you are going to make a decision at this point, I would be stunned if it wasn't Blake Shapin. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the point in doing it either other than just you want to make it official and you want everybody to rally around him um, and just, you know, go all in with Blake, including Sawyer, and just have that be known and be cleared so everybody can march forward with their, you know, orders on what next year is going to look like. And I don't think by any means it – it says that he's going to be a starting starting quarterback all next year. I think it's just like, yeah, he's going to start off as a starter, and if he plays well enough to keep the job, then he'll be the starter however long that is. And if he doesn't, then Sawyer Robertson's there to pivot to, and they'll feel good by the time that time arrives once he's had a few more months to learn the playbook and uh, you know get uh, more acclimated to his surroundings. I think, you know, here from April to August, a lot of progress can be made, and if he's ready to go by then, or you know, again, Blake doesn't perform well, then there's your there's your next guy up. That to me is is basically what it looks like. And yeah, I, I just don't see any point whatsoever if it wasn't Blake Shapin and naming Sawyer Robertson the starting quarterback. I understand Aranda wants to be open and honest with his guys, but um, there's also just being stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think to name Sawyer Robertson your starting quarterback to give Blake Shapin freedom to move or just to inform him that it just it yeah. doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I think if they name a guy, which it sounded like they were going to, yes, I agree, it's going to be Blake Shapin, and they will move forward with him as a starter and Sawyer Robertson and R.J. Martinez as your backups, uh, with Robertson clearly the next man up and the next QB1 in line at some point in time. Uh, but it will be up to Blake Shapin uh, as much as anybody on – how long until Sawyer Robertson gets that nod? Right, and and I think that that's an important point to bring up, and Baylor has a gauntlet of an early schedule, so they're going to get test, yep. tested very, very early, and we'll see what happens there. I do want to say this one thing, Craig. Um, if Blake Shapin is named the starter, I just urge Baylor fans to just really sit down and think about it from last year's perspective. I know Shapin wasn't great, but their defense was horrible, like – uh, it was not good at all. They were asking Blake to do a lot of things for this team last year uh, that they weren't asking Gary and Blake to do the year before because they had to. Um, and so I think if you look around, and I know Garrett and I talked about this a little bit before, but if you look around the Big 12 
and you look and you truly compare all these teams in the Big 12 to Blake, you know, to Baylor and to Blake Shapin, it's not outrageous to think that Blake Shapin could win a Big 12 championship. And as a matter of fact, there's only two quarterbacks in this league that have won a Big 12 championship, and that's uh, Will Howard at Kansas State and Blake Shapin at Baylor. They've actually won a Big 12 championship game. It's just those two. So keep that in perspective, um, and also keep in perspective that this league is not filled with first-round quarterbacks, like, at all. You know, Will Howard, Quinn Ewers are probably the top two you mentioned as far as being NFL guys, but there is no Trevor Lawrence in this league. There is no, you know, even Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray in this league this year. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're thinking about where Baylor fits in the landscape of the Big 12. Blake Shapit is not that far behind the top of the group. Yeah, I know there's uh, going to be... You know, all types of reactions and their work coming out of that game. I just, I ignored most of it. I, I just, uh, I've ranted on this before. I'm not going to dive back into the why is it so toxic around Blake Shapin whenever yeah. the conversation. I, I just don't, I understand the criticisms. I understand the people who want to see another quarterback. I don't understand what he did to people that they take it to the level that they do. And it's maybe it's a small segment that just stands out more. Um, or, or what, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally fine to think that he's not the guy that's going to lead them to the promised land, but just some, some, the, the, the delivery around that message, it's just like, you do realize just a college player just suiting up and doing what he can, right? He's not like trying to burn your house down or right. anything. It's just wild, but I don't know. Sometimes, uh, that's just how some people are, uh, neither, neither, get shaken out of it or something, but uh, we're obviously not going to be able to help with that. So it's been interesting to see some of that conversation. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be the guy, it looks like, and uh, there's always the chance that they could pull the stunner of stunners and name you know, Sawyer Roberts in the starter, but it just seems so unlikely and it makes really little to no sense based on everything that's occurred up to this point. So uh, we'll see when that comes down. Uh, maybe today, maybe later on this week. Uh, who knows? Dave Aranda didn't sound totally sure on how – uh, they were going to actually do it, but he did sound pretty sure on the fact that they were going to do it at some point. So uh, there's quarterback. We both feel like Blake Shapin will be the guy to at least start things off with. Uh, all right, bouncing around and covering as much as we can here. Uh, running backs, if there were bright spots, I definitely think running back, uh, that group as a whole had to probably be one of those for just about everybody. Uh, you had 11 different guys touching the football. Uh, Bryson Washington, the true freshman, had 67 yards on 11 carries. And Dom Richardson, uh, Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma State. And he's got to stop saying that at some point. I'm just talking to myself here because he's been on campus now for a few months. Uh, but he was, uh, you know, a transfer portal addition. Eight carries, 46 yards. Richard Reese, 10 carries, 42 yards. Cameron Bonner, uh, wide receiver, but also a pretty good little weapon on the ground. I'm Seems like we're going to see that wrinkle quite a bit this year. Had three carries for 48 yards. Uh, so there was, you know, the majority, but a lot of guys touching the football. Uh, how are you feeling about the running back group? Uh, one of, if not the most solid parts of this team at the moment, you think? Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk about Bonner with the receivers, I, I think. But for running backs, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, Dominic Richardson looked awesome. I think that there's just a level of physicality and strength and force that he plays with while also being pretty nimble. Like his footwork is actually really good in the wide zone scheme. And so the thing that stood out to me with him, and it's the thing that stood out when Oklahoma State came to Waco this past year, was just the ability to get yards when it looks like there's nothing there. 
And he did that in the spring game, getting hit in the backfield or getting hit you know, at the line of scrimmage and still getting three or four yards is something they did not have a year ago. They absolutely didn't have it. Uh, I think he brings that to the table. He's going to be a major weapon uh, for this offense. And I think I'm starting to, you know, lean more towards him kind of being there. there. I mean, it's going to be by committee, but I do think at times they're going to really rely on him to be their downhill runner who they give the ball to like 20 times in a game. I could really see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryson Washington, True freshman, I mean, we've mentioned it on here. He's been awesome all spring. He's had a great start to uh, his Baylor career. It looks like how they want to utilize him, though, in the season is short yardage and goal line is how I'm kind of picturing him. Obviously, he's going to work in more than that, but I do think that there is a bit of a role for him uh, that they see that I I think has become very evident even after the spring game. So I liked what I saw from him. Good speed, uh, but also just great power, puts his foot in the ground. I mean, just a great fit, as we thought, you know, coming out of high school. And then Richard Reese, I think, is what he is, right? Richard is a fast, explosive runner, good fit for the wide zone scheme, not the biggest running back, but a nice change of pace in my eyes uh, from the other two guys and then of course Quaylen Jones who a good pass catcher and good pass blocker as well uh, for them he came in on their third and longs uh, in this game so I think he'll be utilized as well yeah there's a nice uh, grouping of different talents in that room and seems like AJ Stewart's done a really good job since being hired to replace uh, Juice Johnson uh, this offseason I think that they're really on to something and for all the worries about like Blake Shapin or Sawyer Robertson, whoever having to win games by their, you know, lonesome or win it with their arms, uh, they're going to rely heavily on that that running back room to be sure. And the fact that they've got more than just a true freshman back there this year, which is basically what they had all of last year with a little bit of Quaylen Jones uh, involved, uh, that should you know help matters greatly. Uh, meanwhile, though, they are going to have to throw the ball through the air. Uh, and wide receivers, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Keetron Jackson didn't have like the super spring game that you would have hoped for just because he's been hyped up and he's been a stellar addition uh, based on you know all the quotes and all the talk about him. They've, they've gushed over Keetron Jackson since he arrived from Arkansas. Uh, but he was a part of a, a group of a number of names that, that caught balls uh, on Saturday. Uh, Cameron Bonner, I mentioned, uh, you know, had some carries, but also just he's a Looks like he's a pretty good weapon, could be an explosive guy. Uh, but you had your Josh Camerons and your uh, Micah Giffords, uh, looking at the the young guy there. Uh, you had Hal Presley. Um, and, you know, there's just a number of names, but uh, are you feeling like there's still some things to be solved in that receiver room? Or do you feel like you have a good grasp on it? How are you feeling about the, the wideouts after what you saw on uh, Saturday? Yeah, I mean, this is another position that you got to pay attention to the injuries. So they didn't have Armani Winfield and they didn't have Jordan Neighbors. And so that drastically hampered the second unit. So you had walk-ons out there playing a lot of snaps. And so you throw those two guys into the fold and I, I think they're difference makers. I mean, I, I think Jordan Neighbors is probably going to be the third best receiver on this team behind Baldwin and Jackson. Um, so, I mean, not having those two is a big deal. I think Cameron Bonner showed some flashes. He's clearly going to be utilized uh, on jet sweeps. He'll probably be Jordan Neighbors, I guess, quote-unquote, backup. And Monterey Baldwin, they'll all work into that role, I think. And Cam showed a lot. His burst is great. I mean, very, very fast. Um, the question is, can he become a consistent receiver, uh, not just getting handoffs. Um, but yeah, you know, Keytron, 
he had a great catch. So he had a fourth down conversion that was really impressive. A great throw by Shapin. Great catch there. And then he had a, uh, a catch in which he ran all the way across the field. And that's kind of what he does. He creates yards after catch. That's what he's elite at. Um, but he really needed to catch that ball and just turn up field because he would have gotten a first down and probably more. Instead, it led to a block in the back. Uh, things got pulled back. But I think you saw a flash there of kind of what he did this spring. Um, so I'm not concerned with him. I know, again, this is another player where people are having these just drastic overreactions. He's going to be very good. And if you watch the way he moves after catching the football, it's a lot different than anyone on this team outside of maybe Monterey Baldwin. And that's just kind of what it is. So I still have very high expectations for him. Josh Cameron is what he is. Makes tough catches across the middle of the field. A great blocker. Uh, just a great addition in the room. And then Elijah Bean showed a little flash on a on a deep pass. So that was nice to see. But in general, this group just needs to be healthy. Uh, but I don't think they showed their best on Saturday compared to what they showed all spring. All right, uh, close down the offense. Offensive line, I'd say thumbs up. Uh, they had a massive amount of turnover after last year, basically replacing the whole unit uh, for all intents and purposes, including some of their depth. Uh, not entirely, but for the most part, they're overhauling the whole thing. Uh, and Eric Mateos, widely regarded as one of the best O-line coaches in college football or at the very least one of the best young up-and-coming coaches in college football. Uh, and certainly, you know, it's, again, it's a spring game. We're also sprinkling in just some of what we've, you know, heard or seen all spring as well. Uh, but they seem like, you know, another group that you're feeling positive about, at least on offense, the running backs, uh, the tight ends. And let's just kind of lump tight ends and O-line here together right. just for the sake of time. Um, but Jake Roberts, the transfer, looked really good from North Texas. He had a big day. Uh, Drake Dabney, Kelsey Johnson, are healthy, they look good. That's three tight ends that you feel great about. And then there's like another three young guys that if they need to lean on Cody Mladenka or uh, Matthew Klopfenstein, just depending on how the year goes, you know, hopefully though they stay healthy. And Dabney, Johnson, and Roberts is a heck of a trio. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on tight end, which looks like it's going to be pretty healthy. And then O line, which, you know, maybe is beating already some people's expectations about, you know, having to replace so many names from last year. Yeah, and I want to throw Gavin Yates a walk on into yeah, that tight end group because yeah. he was playing with the first string some. He clearly has a role, um, but that's a big role for them as a blocker. So he's in there. Jake Roberts and Drake Dabney were great. I mean, they did exactly what you needed. Jake Roberts literally looks like a Ben Sims clone, except I think he's going to be a better blocker uh, than Ben was during his time at Baylor. Dabney looks like he's kind of taking over the alpha role at tight end. Had a touchdown, could have had another one um, that he just dropped after getting hit by Corey Gordon. And then Kelsey Johnson, I think, is going to be very good as well. Great blocker. Can just do a lot of things and be used in a very versatile way. So yeah, I think the tight end group, I feel great about that room. Uh, moving on to the offensive line. So the biggest negative I continue to hear is Clark Barrington wasn't great at center um, on Saturday. And I'm just sitting here going, guys, he's been working out at center for like three months. Give the guy time this summer and into the fall. He's going to be really, really good for this group because he was already really good blocking-wise. It's just the snaps were a little high. Give him some time. He's going to be a big difference maker, I think, for Baylor. And while many will compare him to Jacob Gall and say who's better, who's who's not as good, I think there's a chance that Clark actually ends up being better uh, than Jacob Gall 
uh, was last season for Baylor. And I think overall, the unit, they ran the ball really well. We got to see Elijah Ellis flash. Um, man, he just needs to stay healthy because the athleticism that he brings to the table, uh, his blocking in general, very impressed by him. Caden Siraki actually looked really good as well, the redshirt freshman who is playing some right tackle. Uh, he's just massive, but he actually moves really well, and he's developing uh, very nicely. Tate Williams looks awesome at guard. That That's a big one for them. They need him to finally hit. He was a big-time pickup. Uh, in recruiting-wise, and now he's really starting to turn that corner as an offensive lineman. And then I felt like Campbell Barrington was pretty good as well. I think in general, they just need to take another step in pass pro. Uh, but as far as run blocking, they were really, really good. Yeah, I thought they were impressive. Um, you know, again, it's a spring game. I just feel like I need to give that reminder yeah. that we're not going too crazy. But no, I mean, based on what we saw and based on what your expectations might have been, I uh, feel pretty good about the O-line's direction and uh, their ability to be able to replace uh, a lot of talented experience uh, that departed uh, after last season. So that's your offense right now. It seems like the big question marks at quarterback as far as just when they name a starter, but it's probably going to be Blake Shapin. And then I think beyond that, it's just like, you know, who continues to emerge at wide receiver, but the rest of it, running back, tight end, O-line, I think you feel pretty good about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Defensively, uh, ends, tackles, there's no big nose like Siaki Ika as there has been the past couple of years uh, in, in that mold. Uh, they're still, I guess, seemingly finding kind of some answers, it feels like, on the defensive side of the ball. Matthew Pallage now back, of course, uh, first year as defensive coordinator after a year away at Oregon. Uh, we heard so much about energy, and that was just kind of around the whole team in general. Uh, but, you know, you want takeaways, you want disruption, you want all sorts of different things uh, as he now takes over. Uh, the reins from Ron Roberts uh, also had you know Christian Robinson now uh, as your inside linebackers coach uh, replacing Roberts. You also had Pallage taking the safeties over uh, from Ronnie Wheat as he came back to Waco uh, and grabbed those DC reins. He also grabbed the safety group back as well. So you had a couple of the changes on that side of the football, um, but up front. Uh, I think just at every level you can kind of have questions right now about the defense, um, and and that's one side of the ball that is is definitely still much work in progress compared to to the offense. Um, but they're going to need the defense to step up and, and help win some games for them. So up front, uh, what did you see, um, and what stood out to you, and what maybe was uh, standing out to you in a good way, bad way, or or otherwise. So I think it's important to remember Jarrell Boykins got hurt in this game. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. He's their big nose. Now, they're not necessarily going to use nose tackle as much as they have in the past with Apu. Um, And he's no Apu. He's not Apu. He's definitely not. But he was going to be – I mean – he could be a big part of their defense, so hopefully he's healthy uh, going forward. Which we have no idea on we at the know. moment. Yeah. yeah, and Jackie Marshall, who's going to be in the two deep for this defense line, did not play either. Um, Garmin Randolph did not play in this game, and Byron Vons, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, also did not play in this game. So keep that all in mind when you're talking about what they could have on the defensive line, along with a potential transfer, maybe Oregon uh, defense lineman Trayvon Maia. Um, but keep that in mind. You know, when talking about this group, but I do think there's room for improvement. You know, Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin, you know what you're getting with those guys, but at nose tackle, you didn't have Trey Emery, and so Cooper Lands was basically your only nose tackle, and he's undersized for that position. I, I think he's a good player. 
but there's still a growth period, I think, going on with Cooper at no, at the nose tackle position. Um, Devontae Tazino, still a young guy who I think is maybe a year or two away from being a major contributor uh, for the defensive line. Uh, but then you had a nice surprise, right? Freshman Trey Wilson played really, really well. Um, very impressed by him. He was a highly rated recruit. Uh, by our website and by many, um, but he's come in, put on the weight necessary to play at this level, and was a guy who really stood out. So I think if this unit gets healthy, you know, this is a unit that I feel like could be one of, I think it could be the best unit on this team. Uh, but on Saturday, they definitely were not. If that makes sense, yeah, no, it does. Uh, there's there's some missing pieces currently, um, but there's one new addition that, uh, as you mentioned, wasn't quite ready. Let's go ahead and touch on that. Byron Vaughn's uh, will be a part of this team the next time we see them. Edge rusher from Utah State, another transfer addition, uh, but the latest one won't be the last one, that's for sure. Uh, but he is uh, a former Texas signee. Uh, years back, uh, then made his way to Utah State and uh, eventually made his way back to his home state of Texas. And what a personality. He's got a big personality. I think that'll play well, um, bring some energy over to that side of the ball or add some energy to what's already there. He seems fired up to be back close to home, fired up to be at Baylor. Um, and just, you know, was impressed because everybody's got a different personality and his is, is certainly one of those that stands out to you. So uh, what did you think about the addition of him over these last few days? Yeah, it's massive. Um, cause Jack was a position that we've talked about extensively because if you don't know what you're getting from Garmin Randolph, and then we saw on Saturday, Kyler Jordan has passed Tony and Yanwu. So now, I mean, you're looking at just a, a group that's very young and inexperienced backing up Garmin Randolph, who, you know, hasn't been around all spring. So they needed an addition here. Byron Vaughns gives them that. The last two seasons, 110 tackles, 19 for loss, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, seven pass breakups. But even more, the thing that stands out even more, 61 quarterback pressures over the last two years. This is a guy whose sack numbers don't indicate how valuable he was as a pass rusher, and at 6'4", 240 pounds, he's going to bring that to the table and be a much-needed addition to a unit that's actually been pretty good as far as getting after the quarterback this spring. TJ Franklin's had big numbers. They had six more sacks in the spring game. So getting someone like him into the fold, if you get Garmin Randolph back, uh, get Jackie Marshall back, you have a lot of really good pass rushers for this defense. Yeah, he's a... Player at a position of need, that's for sure, and uh, and adds another wrinkle that you weren't necessarily expecting prior to his commitment. You thought that they might address you know various things, but uh, good to have him locked in and signed up and ready to go, and uh, certainly a big part of what they'll end up looking like next year. So I, I do think that was a valuable addition on paper. He's got to translate it, obviously, but you love the production, and you know previously. You know, he, he signed up to play in the Big 12, so now he's going to close his career in the Big 12, and hopefully he uh, closes it on a high note. But, yeah, Byron Vaughn's from Utah State. The latest addition won't be the last, though. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, but he does help address at least some of the questions maybe coming out of Saturday. And he was there and fired up. And, yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's going to be really positive from a, from a team and player standpoint there. All right, linebackers. Uh, you got Caleb Collins back as outside linebackers coach. Uh, again, Christian Robinson now coming in to take over inside linebackers. Uh, and, you know, part of what he's having to overcome is the loss of a guy like a Dylan Doyle who was around for so long and was such a staple and, and a leader and a work 
ethic guy and um you know you Bryson Jackson's now moved to the secondary there's been some turnover there at, at linebacker um uh, and we're talking about two different groups mind you inside and outside but just as a whole for the sake of uh, a time and whatnot uh your thoughts on that second level as we continue rounding out the defense here yeah so I mentioned the jack position a little bit that's just an incomplete right because you're playing guys who probably aren't going to be your starters. With Garmin Randolph and Byron Vaughn, those are going to be your two guys, I think, at Jack this year. But I like the development by Kyler Jordan. Um, you know, Kyan Roberts Day is still a project. He's still working his way into the position a little bit. Um, and then Tony Nyanwu, who's a redshirt junior at this point, you would like to, you would hope that he could contribute. Need the light to come on. So, yeah. yeah um, but it, it's starting to get to a point where it's like now or never, I I think, for him. But Garmin and Vaughn should take over that room and be very productive. So I'm not too worried about the Jack going forward. It'll look completely different than it did on Saturday. The linebacking core, though, is an issue. And it really shouldn't be because they went out, brought in Mike Smith from Liberty. So you have a fifth-year guy there. You have Matt Jones, who's a fifth-year guy. So you have two guys who you feel like should be leaders in this room. And while I think they're solid they really weren't great on Saturday, and I was kind of anticipating them really being not just leaders off the field, but also playing really well in the spring game. I would say they were just okay um, on Saturday. But probably the more concerning part is, you know, Josh White did not have a very good spring game. Um, he had struggles at times. I felt like Tyrone Brown had struggles as well. Uh, Jeremy Evans is probably not quite there size-wise yet to be a true playmaker for them either. So it's like, okay, are these guys going to step up or what's going to happen there? But I will say the guy who stood out the most, and I think many people probably would agree with this, was Carmelo Jones. Uh, The redshirt freshman hit the big hit on Bryson Washington uh, later in the game. But I think athletically, the skill set, the size, the physicality that he plays with is what they need uh, at the linebacker position. So I think he's solidified things for me as far as him being at least in the two deep uh, for this group. But this group just needs to play better. Um, And I assume they will. I think Christian Robinson will get them to a point where they're playing at a very, very high level. Uh, But on Saturday, I just had some concerns coming out of the game. Yeah, no, I think uh, that that was pretty much the widely shared concerns is, yeah, it's uh, the development of where certain guys are. How quickly can some guys who are coming in uh, contribute because it feels like they're going to need to? Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be something to monitor. I did Mike Smith seems like he's going to be a a solid pickup, but, um, you know, you didn't know initially like Liberty. I don't know. Like, how's that going to work? And no, he seems like he's going to work just fine. Um, but yeah, I think the, the bigger concern lies with some of the other guys that they've picked up over the last couple of years and kind of where they are. And, um, I think that was sort of my big question mark is I don't think you have to have stars to win necessarily because team trumps like stars, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of a stunning lack of, like, star power. You know what I mean? On this yeah. team, just in general, there's guys like Monterey Baldwin, and there's a bunch of guys that you're like, they could be that, um, but you don't know for sure just yet. Like, Keytron Jackson could be yeah. that guy. Jake Roberts could be that guy. I think TJ. TJ's, TJ Franklin. Based on what he did this okay. spring. He's, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He's about as proven as there is. But like, Gabe Hall could be that guy, though. Gabe Hall could yeah. be that guy. Uh, and there's a bunch of like, will they, could they, mm-hmm. can they? Um, and so there's still a lot to figure out, I think, as far as linebacker goes. Um, so we'll see how they how they address that moving forward. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a, a few question marks uh, in the front seven. But squaring away the rest of the defense, going off to corners and safeties, it seems like maybe that was the group that probably had the biggest question marks or the most unknown or maybe the least amount of 
optimism, and they might have been the one that everybody was most excited about coming out of the game on Saturday. Just the defensive backs, the secondary as a whole. You got Matt Pallage back, uh, obviously helping out with the safeties, um, and uh, obviously Kevin Curtis with the uh, cornerbacks. Uh, he's been since day one with Dave Aranda uh, in Waco. Um, a lot of young guys, a lot of new names for a lot of people. Uh, got some transfer action there as well with uh, Isaiah Dunson. Um, but not a lot was coming back here. And, you know, it was one of those groups they talked about in the spring of they're going to do a lot more man coverage and they're going to be pressing a lot. And I know that had some people scratching their heads of like, really? That, that's what we're going to do? But I don't know. I think it was, uh, it was a good sign that people came out a little bit positive on the, the secondary side of things this past Saturday right and this was I don't want to say an outlier based on the entire spring but for most of the spring the receivers had played better than the DBs and but that did not happen on Saturday the DBs were really solid um I guess let's start with cornerback so to me it looked like Chateau Reed um and Tevin Williams were their best cornerbacks on Saturday. They played really well. Chateau really impressed me. And this is a guy that the light needs to come on now. Like, they really need him to. He's a redshirt junior at this point. And he played really well. Tevin Williams, we've seen flashes. But he was more consistent on Saturday. And then you have Isaiah Dunson, very physical guy on the outside. So I think he'll contribute nicely. And then Reggie Bush, who I think is maybe a year away from being a guy who they can truly rely on. I also like Caden Jenkins, who's a true freshman, who played uh, pretty well. So, yeah, I came away fairly impressed with this group. I do think that's a position they're still looking at potentially adding sure. a player from the transfer portal, which should kind of tell you all you need to know about what happened this spring. You know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you wouldn't add a transfer if they were playing like they did on Saturday every day. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. trying to overreact too much to Saturday because I've made that clear across this entire podcast that it's just mm-hmm. a spring game, but – Given my expectations, I was yeah. thinking they're going to be giving up bombs and they're mm-hmm. going to be, you know, a leaky faucet. But um, at least for Saturday, they they stood up pretty well. They did. So yeah, they have three transfer portal offers out at the cornerback position. So keep an eye on that as things kind of close up potentially this week. There, uh, as far as safety goes, so they didn't have Devin Lemire. Um, so he'll be back, and he's kind of the only guy that they have returning that has any proven uh, production on the defensive side in the secondary. Uh, so he'll be back healthy uh, for summer and, of course, the fall. But I liked kind of what I saw from some of these young guys. So Devin Bobby had some moments uh, that I felt like were impressive. He's fast. He's big. He's physical. Uh, Alfonso Allen showed a few things Uh I think everyone did, you know, there were a couple times they got beat, but I think in general you saw some physicality, some speed, some athleticism, and then, of course, Corey Gordon, uh, who I do think is a guy who could play a factor this year for that defense. He showed, again, a couple big hits, had the big one on Dabney that broke up a potential touchdown. I just like his frame. I think that he might find his way on the field, and uh, I mentioned Devin Bobby. But the one thing that I do want to mention with this entire group, and it's been a problem all spring long is they're not forcing turnovers. And I know they got one in this game, but it was from the walk-on quarterback, and I believe it was like the third-string defense was out there. But I'm talking about starters versus starters. That's been a problem for them. And it was a problem again on Saturday. They didn't have any turnovers. Um, And so just something to keep an eye on going forward and a reason why I think they might be trying to, you know, go out, add another cornerback and getting Lemire back who forced, I believe, four turnovers last year will help as well. But that's just one area where they didn't show anything on Saturday and hadn't shown a ton of it throughout the spring. Yeah, and that's uh, something they're going to have to get better at. I mean, certainly they're not going to be good enough defensively to just sit there and, 
you know, deadlock people. They're going to have to create some havoc and some chaos. And you just want to do that even if you have a great defense that can stop anybody, anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Uh, like maybe they had a couple years ago. They had the ability to do that, but they also had the JT Woodses uh, or the Jalen Petries and guys like that who could come up with the big play and really flip a game on its head. And, yeah, I mean, that's kind of going back to the star power. Maybe I should categorize it as difference makers, yeah. game changers, game breakers. However you want to label it, they all kind of have the same common thread. And I just think there's a lack of that uh, on the surface right now, which is uh, one of my, I guess, semi-concerns is just sort of where does that come from because it's not totally evident right now. On the offensive side, you see the disruption that a Monterey ball one can create and maybe one or two other guys, but it's kind of lacking on that defensive side of where's the big playmaker, where's mm-hmm. that that guy to flip the field um, and get that fumble uh, or cause that you know interception or whatever I, I just don't know where that that's coming from right now so um, secondary held up better than expected linebackers some question marks d-line not settled I just think the defense as a whole is still a work in progress uh, at the moment um, we will address like some things we're just kind of skipping over in the questions as we get towards the end here uh, special teams anything notable uh, we saw Jack Stone the transfer from Michigan State um, I, I think for the most part that was just that wasn't a main focus for me, I'll be honest with you, um, especially not in the spring game. I wasn't too worried about special teams, um, but any any thoughts there? Yeah, Hankins missed a field goal, yeah. um, I think, in there. Jack Stone had a couple extra points, one that looked really bad. It was like a line drive, you know what I mean? But yeah. then another one that looked good. And so and a field um, goal. And a field goal. So, yeah, I think, I, I think Jack Stone is going to end up being the guy. That's kind of what my expectation was coming into the year. And then I think Palmer Williams will be the punter. I also think Stone will handle kickoff duties as well. But it's nice to have Hankins there, too, because he has shown signs of reliability. And I think for Baylor in general, the kicking game has been about, a lot of times it's been about playing one guy and then him not doing great and then bringing in another guy who happens to perform pretty well, um, kind of like what John May- uh, Mayers did last year. Um, so yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on for the for that unit as well. So not a perfect day, but they were okay. Yeah, Hankins uh, was perfect in PATs from just from the game right up. Uh, Jack Stone, twenty eight yard field goal in the second half. Those were a couple of the highlights just that were listed from from Saturday and the write up about it. So, uh, like I said, I'm not going to comment too much. I didn't pay particular attention. That's an area we can definitely get further into this off season. We've got months now in front of us before football returns. So. Uh, we will have plenty to to dissect uh, here, and uh, don't need to cover every base today. But yeah, that was not the on the on the main stage for for me as far as interest level goes. Um, all right, so there's just kind of a, a revolving wrap up around just sort of a, everything as much ground as we could cover, and we'll cover more of it in the mailbag itself. But real quickly. Um, just as far as other notes go, there's spring sports that are still ongoing. Some teams are heading into the postseason. Uh, to what degrees we're still talking about, how many are still standing next week, is it really remains to be seen. Um, softball got you know taken to the woodshed by Oklahoma. It wasn't like every game was a blowout, but they got shut out the entire weekend. That, that was impressive by the Sooners. Baseball remains scrappy. Got a win in, in Lubbock. Uh, didn't get swept, so that was, you know, I guess a positive. Uh, but I guess the big news outside of football was Jalen Bridges uh, entering his name into the NBA draft. He's going to test those waters. 
Um, and if not for the spring game, we could spend more time on basketball. But again, we'll have the next several months to, to get into that because uh, we will be talking a lot of basketball because they're going to have to simply just be in the transfer portal to fill their roster back up based on the number of players who are at least if everybody who's made a decision to test the waters decides to, to go fully in, dive in, and everybody we already know jumped into the portal, they're clearly gone. Then you're looking at like three guys still standing from last year, which is, yeah. I know that some of this is planned and some of this is by design, but it's still, like I said in my write-up on Sunday, it's just still alarming to see the number of guys. You're like, all right, who's still here? Like, I mean, who's, who's still here? Uh, so your thoughts, I mean, Bridges could come back. He's just testing the waters, but... There's also the question of how much better does he get by coming back. I know that was asked on, I guess, Kendall Cowp might have proposed that, at least if it wasn't about him. He was saying basically the same thing about like an Adam Flagler. I think that kind of applies. You know, everybody's story is different. But uh, what uh, was your reaction to Jalen Bridges announcing he was going to test the NBA draft waters? Not surprised at all. I mean, he needed to do this. Everyone is pretty much going to do this now that you have the opportunity to come back to college after you go through the process. So might as well go out, get a grade, figure out where you may be drafted, what your kind of outlook is, and then go from there. And I think that's what he's doing. Um, To be honest, though, you know, they really need him to come back. Yeah, they do. (laughs) It's very hard to find people in the portal that are like him, Um, especially a guy who really played his best basketball in the second half of the season. So you see a trend of him getting better and better uh, during his time at Baylor. And I I would be stunned if he left, to be honest, because I think his best basketball is ahead of him. And I do think there's a case to be made that he could make a huge step next year and potentially move himself into the first round um, a year from now. You know, you can't really make that case with Flagler uh, because Flagler kind of is what he is at this point. Uh, But Bridges, I could see him taking another step. But at the end of the day, I kind of expect Flagler and Bridges to both be back. Yeah, that'd be nice, but there is that opportunity or that chance yeah. that they could both be gone. Um, you know, NIL could come into play as far as that goes. Um, you know, just the difference in like, okay, if I'm a late second rounder versus if I come back to Baylor, you know, there's some guys who are like, I'm coming back to North Carolina because they know they're going to be making more no matter what, and that's where they're, they don't have much of an NBA future. So that's like that weird tightrope that you can kind of walk for some of these guys of like, you're not a surefire this or that. You're not guaranteed this or that. So like – which way to go, you yeah. know, and I think that's what they're they're clearly trying to figure out right now. So it could turn out great, and everybody's back, and it's uh, it's a reloaded roster, but it's also, you know, just as much of a chance that that room's emptied out, basically, and they're going to have to go get, like, six guys in the portal uh, over the course of, of time. But uh, they already added um, Jaden Nunn um, last week. Did we yeah. touch on that? We touched on that, okay, and also yeah. there is the expectation that, five-star center Eves Missy will reclassify to the 2023 class, which would put him on campus for this next season. So, Which would be just, huge, yeah. Yeah, just another one to keep an eye on as far as roster additions um, along with some of the negatives yeah. we've had to talk about. So, again, we'll have next week and all the shows after to really dive further into that because, again, there's clearly going to be a lot of activity with yeah. that roster uh, one way or the other. Um, so, yeah, just covering bases. Let's dive into the mailbag, shall we? Let's I don't do think it. there's anything else uh, recruiting. Everything's kind of all quiet on the Western front. Uh, well, so I mentioned a little bit earlier, Oregon transfer yes. Trevin Maya. Uh, he did visit, so he was at the spring game. Um, and Utah State cornerback Ajani Carter also visited. Uh, I think they could get a visit from Rhode Island cornerback transfer Antonio Carter as well. Um, so just keep an eye on that. Uh, right now, they have room for, I think, two guys. So... 
you know, maybe some mix and match of that group right there. But I think in general, a defense alignment and a cornerback is kind of where I've seen them targeting guys the most uh, out of the portal. So quick update there. I will say there were a lot of visitors on campus. We're not going to dive too deep into that, but they did have four 2024 quarterbacks uh, and then a lot of priority guys, which we'll talk about in, in future shows. We don't need to dive too deep into that outside of they, the overwhelming you know, kind of reaction I got was very positive from the spring game, getting to talk to the coaches and building those relationships. Good deal. So that'll be more coming up in future episodes, but uh, let's dive in. We got a bunch, so let's uh, be mindful of just kind of uh, clicking through these so we can cover uh, everybody's question. Scotty B, Baylor King, uh, which position group on offense or defense after spring ball has given you less questions than initially you thought before spring practices began? Okay, less questions. Uh, I'll go with offensive line. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's the one there. On the defensive side, less questions. I don't think there was one. Because even if the secondary was better than advertised, I, I still don't think they're complete by any stretch. I still think that that was just a spring game. Yeah. So I'm not totally sold on what we saw based on just that couple of hours. So uh, I think everything's kind of still questionable on defense for the time being. Yeah, and just the way they're recruiting makes me think, okay, it can't be cornerback. And safety, am I sitting here going, yeah, if there wasn't like a five-star guy, that wouldn't make sense? Like, it would make sense in my eyes to add a safety. So I'm going to continue to go with the position that I – and it's not even from the spring game, so it might not even be a correct answer for this. But the defensive line, I still feel – really good about when they're fully healthy and after the spring with the additions, the way they're addressing those through the portal, uh, I think makes me feel comfortable with their defensive line. Uh, thank you, Scotty. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect the tight end and running back to be strong, so that didn't really, like, yeah. further boost. I mean, that just really solidified it. Um, and the questions I have are still pretty much questions. But O-line, I was really, like, just sort of in the middle on, and now I feel much better after what we saw on Saturday. And Mateos is so reliable, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, he's a he's – a, a gem on that staff. Mm-hmm. Big Cheese 83, the more I read the discussion around it, the more I see how toxic the quarterback position at Baylor has become, as evidenced by fans running Charlie out of Waco in 2020 and still treating him like garbage on social media and the downright childish debates concerning Blake and Sawyer with lots of rhetoric just tearing Blake down. While I do think it's fine and valid to criticize the recent quarterback play at Baylor, am I alone in thinking that our fan base has a whole, as a whole has taken it too far? How does this end or get any better? Big Cheese 83, you are not alone because I'm right there with you. Absolutely 100% right there with you. I've made the comment a few times now. I don't know what is in the water when it comes to people talking about the quarterback spot, but it is absolutely more toxic right now than ever before. Um, and it got really toxic with Charlie Brewer. Um, it's weird. I, I I don't know. Like people are just losing their minds, and they lose sight of who they are as people when they start talking about Baylor quarterbacks for some reason online, or if there's just a bad batch of folks who have suddenly you know become subscribers and or Twitter members, or you know however you want to wherever you see your opinions. Um, in person at the bar on Saturday, like wh- wherever you're hearing it come from, I don't know 
why it is so toxic because Blake Shapin has not played so poorly as to deserve half the crap that's being spewed about him. It is ridiculous, folks. And and this is not big, broad brush, let's paint the whole fan base because it's not the majority. But there is a segment of fans that act like they deserve a Heisman winner every year at quarterback. And like they deserve a guy who's six foot four and 215 pounds with a rocket arm. And they deserve this or that or that or whatever. And um, Blake Shapin uh, might not be the perfect quarterback, but he's not like some terrible young man that deserves to be torn down for every little thing that isn't up to snuff for whoever is the, the beholder. Uh, I, I, I think it sucks. I, I think the whole reaction the last couple years to the quarterback spot has been toxic, as you said, way too negative. Um, and I'm just glad the players are the mature enough ones to be able to sift through all that crap because it is crap. I mean, it's one thing to, to have your opinion and be negative or not feel like a guy's the guy, but I mean, let's have a little bit of heart, can we? Because I just feel like there's been a line cross sometimes. And maybe maybe it's just me and and uh, Big Cheese that feel that way. I don't know. No, I agree with you. I think you hit on a lot of it. I would just say, once again, how many quarterbacks in the Big 12 have won a Big 12 championship game? There are only two. It's Blake Shapin and it's Will Howard. That's it. So, you know, you can sit there and go through the Big 12 quarterbacks and say you would rather have this guy or rather have that guy. But to be honest... You're kind of splitting hairs, you know, when you talk about a lot of these guys. Like, if you want to say Quinn Ewers is going to make a big jump this year, that's fine. But last year, he wasn't better than Blake Shapin. If you're going to talk about Dylan Gabriel, was he available hardly at all when it mattered for Oklahoma? No. Was he better than Shapin last year? I don't know. I just, I think that there's this just people talking about Blake Shapin like he's the worst quarterback in the Big 12, and they couldn't be further from the truth. He's actually closer to the top of the quarterbacks in the Big 12 than the very bottom. And so while he's not Trevor Lawrence, he still is a very capable quarterback. And so I think it's really important to keep that in mind. He's plenty good enough for this team to win many games this season. And to answer your question, how does this end or getting any better? The only way that happens is if you get a Trevor Lawrence and you go to a national championship game. Because outside of that, every fan base gets upset with their quarterback not winning the big game or making a costly interception or not being this or not being that. So I guess that's what it takes. You have to have Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow in 2019. They just win. I mean, that's yeah. that's really Blake Shapin can go win and tell everybody to stuff it. That's what he can do. Um, and and I get it. Yeah, there's other fan bases that have their their fair share of the same thing. Um, but I don't care about like, well, what about so? I I just think that it's hit a level that I've seen here over the last few months that it's just like, what? Why did it take this pivot of where it's just sometimes so nasty in his direction? I don't I don't get it. But I do understand like he could play better, but. Jeez, Louise. Um, Bear sack. Last year, expectations were high, and on-field results didn't live up. Realistically, how does the team's spring performance forecast for the upcoming season? What is your post-spring game prediction for our record? What's your opinion on what must be improved to have a shot at the Big 12 title? So I think I'd said like before, like 7-5, and five, I think, is, is where I was mostly. Maybe 8-4 and four on the high side, and I'm still right there. I, I don't feel like I need to drop it too much. Um, I don't feel like this team should be like narrowly making a bowl game, uh, nor do I feel like they're Big 12 title contenders uh, at the moment. So sort of in the middle. So, yeah, like seven-ish wins regular season-wise is, is where I've been, and that's where I'm I'm staying for the time being. Um, um, yeah, go ahead on, on your side of things. Yeah, spring performances don't forecast upcoming seasons. 
They to me. Oh, to answer that question, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I mean that's not uh, a big tipping point necessarily. No, no. and in twenty twenty one going into that season, I don't think we were sitting there going, "Oh, this is the best Baylor team we've ever seen." And then they went twelve and two and won the Sugar Bowl. So keep that in mind with all of this. I think for me, um, once again, they have the five home games, four road games, three out of conference home games. I think this should be a team that wins at least eight games. And so I guess I'm kind of seeing it eight and four right now. Uh, maybe that's too simplistic of a view, but there are a lot of teams that they get to play at home that I think they're frankly significantly better than. Um, and then the teams they play on the road, they don't play a lot that are extremely scary. Um, Baylor will have an opportunity to win every single game on their schedule. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that um, they'll be pretty good next year. As far as opinion on what must improve, I, they need to get healthy. They need to add all their talent back. Um, but I think in general, um, they just need to be better on the defensive side. I think offensively they're going to be fine, but I think on the defensive side they need to take steps. Like the secondary needs to take another step. The defensive line needs to get healthy and take a step. The linebackers need to take a step. Like every position on the defensive side needs to take a step up uh, because I do think what we saw from their run game in particular and how much I trust Jeff Grimes as far as moving the football, I think they're going to be fine there, but they really need to improve on the defense side because last year was uh, a problem. Yeah, defense, uh, number one priority, I'd say, as well. Mikey, any repeated messages this spring that will continue into summer, fall? Could be good, bad. For example, last year, Constantly pushed the Buffalo facing the storm message or however it was worded. Also, why did I see a bunch of guys I don't recognize get more targets in the spring game than the likely starters? Unsure if that's more for the staff to make scholarly cut decisions versus the expected starters struggling to get separation. As far as like mantras or anything like that, nothing that sticks out really is person over player. Um you know, doing your job the kind of uh, is, is what they've hammered home time and again. You're one, uh, what is it, 111th, yeah. uh, doing your 111th. I mean, it seems to still be one of those things. But, yeah, nothing like Buffalo's, you know, heading into the storm uh, that I can recall that really stood out. Um, so, yeah, I think it's should do your 111th. Uh, person over player, some of the same things that we've heard. And uh, you touched on the why we saw some some names, uh, injuries uh, played a role in, in why you saw some guys. And probably just precautions or just guys couldn't go, whatever reason it was. Um, yeah, there were some guys being held out, so that's part of, if not the main or the entire reason why you saw uh, that not not trying to set up guys for like cut day or anything right. like that. That's not how it 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 works. So that's yeah, that's definitely not how it was. And Craig, we do have one more question. Bless one seventy eight seventy. Okay. Um, he asked, so what's the summer like for sports like football, women's basketball, men's basketball? Is it primarily strength and conditioning with an emphasis on summer classes, or uh, are they on break for part of the summer? Uh, they're on break for part of the summer and then they kind of work out on their own and, and do that. I mean, football, for example, will break up now. Coaches will start recruiting a lot more and the players will start to be and sure strength and condition will still have their influence, but you're basically on your own, so to speak. Um, and have the guys, you know, that's where a lot of your leadership will come from and getting together and going, throwing the ball, running routes and doing those types of things. But yeah, it's kind of, kind of shutting it down, but not all of the way there'll be, you know, still workouts and things like that going on. Yeah. Summer workouts are big because everyone will enroll, I believe in June, early June for summer classes. And so they'll be doing strength and conditioning. This is where you also have to work on your relationships, right? So like, you know, 
Blake Shapin's going to go throw the ball with Keytron Jackson or Sora Robertson, you know, Monterey Baldwin. Like, they're going to go out, throw the ball a lot. A lot of that work is on your own. Um, and the strength and conditioning is a huge deal this summer. Got to stay uh, in shape and continue to get stronger and build. So that's a big part of, of everything. And relationships. That, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, a lot of the chemistry work and strength work and all that, uh, that's where a lot of the focus will be out of sight. Uh, but there will be, you know, players who are taking classes as well. I think it just kind of depends on the guy and where they are in their development and things like that. But, yeah, summer classes, summer workouts, um, that's that's all on the table. But, yes, primarily strength and conditioning, chemistry, running routes, things like that. Um, all right. Uh, Alpha Needle, who from Baylor gets drafted in the NFL draft this week, which round? I'd say Connor Galvin on day two. Late two uh, would be like an absolute highest, which would be like third round, and I don't see that happening. So I'd say day three for Connor Galvin, which is anywhere from the fourth through the seventh round, more towards the seventh than towards the fourth, I would think, but probably somewhere in the middle. I don't know, though. I mean, it's gotten very quiet, but, I mean, just having to shoot a guess, I'd say sometime day three, Connor Galvin. Um, the only guy you feel like totally positive about is Siaki Ika, obviously. I'd say day two, which is second or third round, probably more the third than the second round. So I'd say Siaki Ika, late day two, third round-ish. Connor Galvin, day three, really could be anywhere, but I'd lean more five towards seven mm-hmm. round uh, for, for him. And then beyond that, I don't think anybody else gets drafted, but we'll see. Yeah, I think Apu's going to go in the second round. Um, late second, he but could, like you yeah. said, he'll be a day two pick, I think. I don't think he's going to find his way into the first round. Wow. Uh, Connor Galvin, like you said, five through seven. Um, you know, there's a chance maybe a Ben Sims gets drafted, um, maybe a Khalil Keith. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just there hasn't nothing, been a lot of positive. There's not enough meat on the bone to believe that that's going to happen for either guy. It would yeah. be a nice surprise. Let's put it right. that way. They'll have a lot of undrafted free agents probably. Um, not to the level of last year. Um, but yeah, a chance to probably get a couple guys drafted. Maybe, maybe like a third guy like a Ben Sims. But you're looking at Siaki Ika and then hopefully Connor Galvin and and that's about it. Right. Uh, let's see. Doc Crowell, after spring, what walk-ons look like they'll have the best opportunity to play? I think Gavin Yates is the biggest one he's going to play just because of his blocking, what he brings to the table at the tight end spot. Outside of that, I I don't see another walk-on playing a lot. I mean, Jonathan Davidson had a couple catches, but I I think he's going to be like fourth string at the wide receiver position. R.J. Martinez, third string quarterback. So, yeah, pretty much just Yates. Would Grimes' son, the tight end, committing to Baylor be any indicator that he could stay as OC for the foreseeable future until the right situation comes open, sort of similar situation as Jeff Nixon's kid? Uh, No. I I mean, just talking to Graydon, who he's talking about the China Spring, um, tight end, defense line, big athlete type prospect. Uh, He's making this decision just based on where he wants to go to school. Um, Because if Jeff leaves, it's not like he's just going to up and leave to follow, you know, grimes to wherever he's going and the odds are he's not going to be around for four or five more years right that's a long time that's too tough to predict so yeah i wouldn't read too much into that obviously it'd be nice right if they stayed together for for his entire time in school but i do think at the end of the day at some point somebody's going to come calling for jeff grimes i think because that's how i view him as a coach sure um so i do think eventually he'll get a power five job yeah it's a compliment that he's not going to be here for his son's whole career if he were to stay in waco uh, or close by from China Spring, so yeah, don't don't view it that way. But uh, doesn't mean that he won't, you know, still choose Baylor uh, when all is said and done. But um, you know, certainly having Dad right now, that 
you would think only helps, but who knows? Every situation is different. Uh, what concerned you most from the spring game? I think we've kind of touched on this in various ways. Um, still a lot of questions on defense. Uh, still need a bit more playmaking uh, potential from the wide receivers. At quarterback, obviously, is a little bit. Let's like kind of just see how that goes. Um, but beyond that, I think it's. Uh, I think we kind of covered all of those things. If he had played with the new pass rusher, Vaughn's have been a noticeable upgrade from what we saw. Yeah, if he or Garmin had played, it would have been a noticeable difference. I mean, they were playing guys who t- haven't really played much at all. I mean, Kyler Jordan, Tony and Yanwu, like. Yes, those guys are much better uh, at this point in their career. So, yeah, there would have been a huge difference. Yeah, he's a, again, he's a lightning rod, man. So, in, in a good way, just as far as that the energy he brings. So, that'll be fun to see him added here over the next few months, and, and we'll see him in the fall. Um, but thank you, Doc. Oki Bear fan with Dominic Richardson's ability to drive for a couple extra yards, always fall forward, a huge factor in 21 with Abram Smith and a missing factor in 22. How much and in what areas will this help boost the offense? I mean, it's it's kind of the areas that you mentioned, the extra yards, the always falling forward that helps on third downs that helps keeping you ahead of the chains, which has been a motto for Baylor, you know, getting those second and fives are so key uh, for this offense, being able to convert on fourth down. Uh, I think he could play a role in that as well, uh, which Baylor is very aggressive with. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of those things I think are huge. I also think just his ability to wear down a defense is something they did not have last year. Uh, that was supposed to be Tay McWilliams. He obviously got hurt. So they were relying on guys who, you know, I love Richard Reese. I love Squirrel, but they're both like 180 pounds, 160 pounds for Squirrel. Like it's just different than the way Dominic Richardson is built, the way Bryson Washington is built. Um, so wearing down defense, which was crucial in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be huge, you know, um, just more confidence in that that group as a whole. Uh, I think he'll be able to move the pile, get you that that extra inch that could be the difference between, you know, sealing a game and losing a game. So, yeah, I, I think Richardson's going to be um, a, a great addition, and uh, that little bit of extra umph that he's got could make a world of difference for, for not just the room but the team as a whole. So, um, yeah, Oki, I think uh, – a lot of reasons to be excited about him and just the running backs uh, in general. Papa Bear was the field goal miss, short and to the right from 37 yards during the spring game. A concern. I feel like we need to get points when we are inside the 40 reliably to be a 10-win team. We can point to two to three losses based on missed field goals last season. Yeah, I mean, it is a concern till it's not a concern, like till we see it on the field. So yeah, um, it's a bit concerning, but I think they'll figure that out. I feel pretty good about uh, Matthew Pallage. They went out and hired uh, Tyler Hancock as well to be special teams coordinator. So I feel good about them making that a focus and improving. But yeah, you, you need to make those. Yeah, um, you know, wait and see on the on the special teams. Didn't feel like we got enough to, to really get a good, you know, feel totally for for that group. Um, but yeah, like you said, it is until it isn't, you know, yeah. until we see them in a real game, you know, making it or missing it from any sort of distance. Uh, it's hard to really have too much of an opinion or, or a good feel for that at the moment. But yeah, it's a concern until, uh, until they prove otherwise, I, I'd say that, but it's not like top of mind or top of the list at the moment either. So, uh, we'll see how, how that, like everything else, uh, evolves, over the course of these next few months and throughout the off season, so thank you for the question there. Uh, but that's something we will keep an eye on heading into next season. 
uh, for sure. Uh, thank you, Papa, and everybody else in that mailbag for your questions. And I know there will be many more here over the coming weeks uh, surrounding the spring game and just the, the football team in general. But for the meantime, they've closed down operations as far as public practice or, uh, you know, these practice windows that we were getting for the media. No more of that for quite a while. So it's going to be a little bit strange and different than uh, what we've been experiencing these last few weeks. But uh, still will be plenty of news, no doubt about it. Um, Grayson, as we wind down here, just a message you want to leave with the folks or uh, what to check out, what to be on the lookout for, uh, anything you got, uh, go ahead. Right, so the portal closes April 30th, so kind of in a rush right here for guys to enter the portal from various programs across the country, so something to keep an eye on. Recruiting is continuing to pick up. Of course, in June, Baylor will host official visits. That's also when the summer camps are, so uh, if you're interested in that, Sikkim 365 Premium is your place to go for all the news and information recruiting and football, basketball, all the sports we have it all covered and of course be sure to check out 365 sports radio monday through friday 3 to 6 p.m with craig Smokey, and paul yes uh, we'll be back here in just a couple hours uh, for that very program so look forward to interacting with some of you uh, who are uh, you know regular listeners of the bearcast also in the afternoons but uh, if you only check out one and not the other. Hopefully you can spread the word and check out both. But we appreciate you regardless. Hit that like button, subscribe button. We would appreciate that as well. But uh, until next week, appreciate Garrett Ross and Jack McKenzie behind the scenes. Spring has sprung, but still a lot going on. We'll talk about whatever occurs over these next few days. Next Tuesday at noon, that's where you can find us right here on this very YouTube channel and on Sikkim365.com. So until next time, appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.